quiz time. Yay! Recently, I came across a comment thread and it asked, what do you live for? Have a look at the responses. The first one here, pizza. Pizza, that is what this person lives for. Thank you, I am for real eight years ago. The next person, have fun, travel the world, garner as much knowledge as possible, die. Bit morbid at the end there, but maybe that's what you think as well. Next one, the main reason I get out of the bed in the morning is coffee. The main reason I stay out of the bed is the possibility of more coffee. Be honest, hands up if this is you. Yep, most of your leaders put your hands up. Yep, good. All right, next one. I get up in the morning because I genuinely enjoy being alive and cherish it. Oh, that's nice. Also bacon. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay that one. This one's the most interesting one to me. This might not be popular, but I live for me. Everything I do is for me. I'm trying to have the best experience that life could offer and make my life as enjoyable as I can. You know, I actually think that response is probably the most honest one. And I wonder, if you were to be honest, you were sitting at your computer and typing it out, what would you say? What would you type? What would you say is at the centre of your life? Because in the end, whatever it is, whether you reckon you could figure it out quickly or it might take you some time, it's what's going to take up your thoughts. It's what you're going to talk about. It's what you're going to spend your money on. It's what you're going to choose your subjects for or maybe your part-time job for. It's everything that you're going to do. And so ultimately, what is at the centre of your life is what is the king of your life. And so this week, each of us, myself, your leaders included, we're going to have a bit of open heart surgery. It's going to be a bit painful at times because we're going to open up, peel back the layers and see what's inside see what is truly at the centre of our life. This week, God wants none of us to leave without knowing what it is that's truly at the centre. And I hope you're going to see from the book of Colossians that God wants whatever is at the centre to come off the throne and for Christ to be put there. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we pray as we open Colossians now, that you would expose our hearts, help us to take off the masks that we've been living with and help us to see what is truly at the centre of our life. Amen. Well, have your Bibles open there in front of you so you know that what I'm saying isn't just from my head, but it's coming from God's Word. We'll start at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to God's holy people in Christ, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. You can see there that Paul is writing, and Paul calls himself an apostle. 
Now, you might have heard the word apostle and the word disciple before, but it's an important thing to note that they're not exactly the same thing. There's actually a difference between what an apostle is and what a disciple is. So a disciple is someone who learns and who follows. So in the Bible, the disciples are people who learn from Jesus and follow him. An apostle is someone who's been given a particular mission by Jesus and particular authority from Jesus to carry it out. And so Paul comes and he writes as an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, if you know anything about Paul, you should know that that is a crazy thing to say, right? In your quiet times, you're going to look at Acts chapter 9. You're going to read of Paul before he was called Paul, when he was Saul. When he hated Jesus and he hated Christians so much so that he went from town to town murdering them. And yet here he is, as an apostle of Christ Jesus, writing by the will of God with his apprentice, Timothy. He's also in prison. He's writing this from prison. What he's really saying by, by telling us, by telling the Colossians that he's an apostle is that these words have authority. These words are from God. Listen to them. And so we, like the Colossians, should take the book of Colossians as the very words of God. They have authority on your life. They speak into your life. Let's have a look at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Okay, on the screen, you're going to see a lake. Does anyone know, hands up, where this lake is? Anyone know? Anyone? There's a... There's a murmuring. Yes, go. Yep. Western Australia. Well done. Do you know the name of the lake? Uh, it's not called Pink Salt Lake, but good job on the Western Australia bit. This is called Lake Hillier. It is in Western Australia, and it's not photoshopped. That is the actual colour of this lake. This lake is different to every other kind of lake in the world. Does anyone know why? Why is it pink? Salt. Salt. It's not salt, actually. Good guess, though. It's not the sand. Good thought. Algae. Bing, bing, bing. Yes, there is a certain kind of algae at the centre of this lake. This algae makes it go completely different, right? Transforms it. It's different to every other kind of lake. And as we see Paul talking of the Colossians, right, he's thankful to God because he's heard that they're living lives that are completely different to everyone else. They're living lives of faith in Christ and love for God's people. Did you see it there? Verse 5. The faith and love... Sorry, verse 4, we'll go from there. 
because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. See, just like a scientist would know why the lake looked different, Paul knew why their lives were different. He knew there was something causing them to be different. Have a look again. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Do you see it there? The Colossians lived different lives because at the center of their life was not algae. The center of their lives was a hope that was stored up for them in heaven. Have a look at verse 5. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. They have a greater hope stored up for them in heaven. Now you guys, myself included, often think of hope a little bit like this. Oh, I hope that I get an A on my essay. I hope that he'll notice me on camp. You know who you are, right? I, I hope that... Oh, I just hope that I'll get really, really good at soccer and then I'll make it and play for Barcelona and be a billionaire, right? That kind of hope, it's wishful thinking, I'm sorry. Some of it. Some, maybe he'll notice you, I don't know. But this kind of hope is different. It's not wishful thinking. It's a secure hope. It's hope in something certain. Christian hope is not wishful thinking, but hope in something that we know will happen. It's kind of like if in the middle of, your, in the, middle of the night, the night feels like it's going on forever because you can't get to sleep, you put your hope in the morning coming. You just hope that it'll come. And it's the same. They have this hope a sure and certain hope stored up for them in heaven. And this message, verse 5, if you look there, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So this hope they have, they've heard about it. And they've heard about it in the gospel, the gospel message. The gospel is the momentous news, the biggest news you can hear. And it starts with the fact that you and I are by nature rebels against God. You and I have rejected God. We've turned our backs on God. We've said, stuff you to God. I want to live my own life, my own way, do what I want because it's my life. I don't want you a part of it. And whether we've said that explicitly or whether we've just done that in our actions, all of us have done that. We have rejected him in our sin. And yet the gospel is good news to those of us who will accept this next part. God has made a way for us to be forgiven by him. In his love... God sent his one and only son into the world to die the death that you and I deserve for our rejection of him. He never rebelled against God. He never rejected God. And yet he took the punishment that you deserve. He took the punishment that I deserve on himself. He took on our guilt and he took on all the shame that we carry that comes with our sin. And he nailed it to the cross. But he didn't stay dead, did he? 
he rose again from the dead. And he didn't just rise to sit in heaven and just kind of hang out with God. The Bible is very clear that he is now the ruler of the universe. He is king of heaven right now. If you were to peel back the heavens, you would see the Lord Jesus sitting at the right hand of his Father in heaven as king of all. What a hope we have in heaven. The Colossians lived lives that looked so different to every other life because they were gripped. They were, they were captured by this message, this hope that they have in Christ, that there is a way for me to be forgiven. There is a way for you to be right with God. Of course, didn't mean their life was perfect. They still had struggle. They had struggle against sin. They struggled to keep Christ at the center. But in, their, in the end, their hope was in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you now, do you know this hope? Do you know this hope? And do you know the Jesus at the center of this hope? And not just do you know it, but do you actually believe it? Do you actually think that Jesus is the king of not just the world and not just everything else, but the king of your life? Meet my good friend Dave. Dave was first heard the gospel, this message, in high school, around your age. We went to school together. He'd never heard it before. He was quite angry because he was angry that no one had told him this good message before. But he decided that he would put the gospel as the centre of his life. At the time, skating was at the centre of his life. He's an epic skater. He was about to go pro. But he decided to put Jesus at the centre of his life and it changed the way he lived. He began to live a life of faith in Christ Jesus and of love for God's people. And where that's led him now is to a country in Asia that I can't disclose for security reasons. And he shares the gospel, this message, with anyone and everyone. That yellow tract there, that is one that he wrote with the gospel message I just shared to you to a Buddhist guy who's probably in his 60s or 70s who'd never heard it before. It was the same with my friend from Wollongong. In high school, he decided to take himself out of the centre of his life and put the gospel there, even though he'd grown up his whole life hearing it. He went to church, he went to youth group, he went to camps like this, and he put the gospel at the centre of his life then and there in late high school, and it changed the way he lives. And so now, he lives a life of faith in Christ and of love for God's people by sharing the gospel with people as a youth minister at Christ Church St. Ives. See, is this the gospel, the pulsating centre of your life? Because if it's not, if it is not the pulsating centre of your life, well, it's not an accident, you're here. Why not spend this week 
If it's not at the centre of your life, why not spend this week trying to figure out what the gospel is? Try and get super clear on it. Pepper your leaders with questions in discussion groups and in between sessions and at dinner. Ask your friends who would call themselves Christian, why are you Christians? And can I have a challenge for you? Look at the way people live their lives here. Look at the way the leaders and your friends who are Christians live their lives and see if there's something different. For those of you who, throughout this week, realise that you do want to put Christ at the centre of your life but haven't yet, on Tuesday morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. So be prepared. Of course you can do it earlier, but you'll have an opportunity there. To those of you who would say the gospel is at the centre of your life, get to know it, love it, learn it, teach it, and ask yourself this question, am I living differently? Am I living differently because I claim the gospel is at the centre of my life? Am I living differently to all my friends who gossip all the time about other people? Am I living differently to my friends who just game all the time? Am I living differently to my friends who are addicted to social media? Am I living differently? Because if I'm not, if you're not, Jesus is not at the centre. Jesus is not number one. Something else is. Now, of course, there's a distinction between having Jesus at the centre and struggling with things, right? And not really having much struggle at all. Doing whatever the heck you want to do. Not living differently at all. If that is you, please chat to a leader or friend you trust. And if you are living differently, praise God. Continue in it. Look to Jesus. Learn as much as you can about the gospel. And in verse 5 to 8, we actually learn a lot about the gospel. So with the person next to you, I want you to spend maybe about a minute, write down as many things you can find in verse 5 to 8 that you learn about the gospel. Go for it. Right, 20 more seconds. Alrighty. You might not have gotten them all, but you can see which ones you did get. They'll come up on the screen. The first one, it is a true message. Did you see it there? It is a true message. There's lots of fake news. The gospel is not fake news. Second one, it bears fruit and grows throughout the whole world. It's a global gospel, not just for Australia. Next one, it bears fruit and grows among the Colossians. That is, you don't just hear it and then nothing happens. You hear it and it bears fruit and grows amongst people. 
Next one. The Colossians heard it and because of it truly understood God's grace. Final one. The Colossians learned it from a faithful minister of Christ named Epaphras. That is, you hear the gospel. You learn the gospel. Right? It's a message. It's words that are coming out. Let's keep going. Verse 9 to 12, the final three verses. We'll hit verse 13 and 14 tomorrow. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have endurance and patience and giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of life. Paul and Timothy, they're glad to hear about the Colossians living gospel-centered lives. Did you see there? And so they pray. Just as a show of hands, as you read that, how many things do you reckon he prayed for? Have a look. Just have a look. How many things do you reckon he prayed for? Just put up a number. Put up a number. Be bold. Be brave. Someone put up shuckers. I'm taking that as a two. How many things? Looks like a lot of things, doesn't it? But actually, if you look there again, he only prays one thing. For this reason, verse 9, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding, etc., etc. So they're asking God to fill them with the knowledge of his will. And you see there in verse 10, so that, so that they may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Earlier we saw that it was the gospel that bears fruit. It is the gospel that grows. And now we're seeing that he wants you to bear fruit and you to grow. And so what he's saying is he wants you to live with the gospel at the center of your life. Live a gospel-centered life. And this gospel-centered life will determine what you talk about, what you think about, what you spend your time doing, what you spend your money on, who you choose as friends, what subjects you choose at school, what job you get, what you look at online, and ultimately, who is king of your life. And God says, verse 11, as you live this gospel-centered life, you will be strengthened with all power to God's glorious might that you may zap your enemies with lightning bolts. Maybe not being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Colossians says we need God's power that we may patiently endure the gospel-centered life. So let me ask you again. What is at the center of your life? Let me pray. Father, we pray that you might help us to see what is truly at the center of our life. Father, we pray that you might help us to be gripped by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put it at the center of our life and live a life of faith in Christ and love for your people. Amen.